0: Yowza! Great statement of faith. Thank you for singing that. Okay, if you have your Bible, turn to the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John, or look on the back of your sermon outline, your sermon notes. Make sure you have one of these so that you can follow along. And our scripture this morning is from John chapter 6, verses 41 all the way down through verse 59. So the Jews grumbled about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. So far, the reading of God's word. Yesterday, I had a friend tell me that he went to a local deli and got his favorite sandwich, a BLT, on a fresh bagel, which was a bit of a new twist, piled with tomatoes and lettuce and bacon, mayonnaise, and then he said, And they used soy bacon. I want real bacon on my sandwich. And he agreed with me. It was was so interesting. You know, when I go to the grocery store and I want to buy that aerosol whipped cream, isn't that stuff great? Aerosol whipped cream. You know, there's two kinds of aerosol whipped cream. There's the kind made with real cream There's the kind that's made with partially partially hydrogenated vegetable oil. Guess which kind I buy. The real cream. You know, Jesus says, he says, my flesh is real food, true food. Real drink. And I want us to understand this morning that you are in fact what you eat. You are what you eat. You've heard that statement. And Jesus says, I'll tell you what you should eat. The bread that comes down from heaven. His flesh that is true food, his blood that is true drink. What does this mean? Well, we're going to explore this in its context. and, And there's three points of very simply, you see them in your outline. The first has to do with the grumbling and disputing. Do you ever join in the grumbling and disputing about Jesus? Good question. And then the second point is learn and be taught of God about these things. And then the third point, which is really where I'm driving to and spend the bulk of my time, we are to eat the living bread, the true bread, the true flesh, because eating is believing. Let's explore this together. And question number one, again, Do you ever join in the grumbling and disputing about Jesus? Because in verse 41 and down in verse 52, John, as he writes this gospel, records for us the reaction of the people around Jesus. And to be honest, it's not all that different from what I've encountered and perhaps what you've also encountered with people when you talk to them about Jesus. They are dismissive, they are grumbling once again, you won't be surprised to hear in this ser- series, Jesus makes people mad. He does. We've seen it almost every week as he interacts. But other people are glad when they hear this message. But here, they get mad, and, and there's two common unhappy responses, grumbling and disputing. We know his parents, lowly carpenter from Nazareth. S- somebody else in the Bible says, can anything good come out of Nazareth, right? And so all it takes is one kid in your class who just shoots off his mouth and says, it's all nonsense. And the other kids nod, you know, like sheep. And people in your office, you know, people will grumble about those Christians, about that Jesus, and he's easily dismissed. And then down in uh, verse 52, some people actually want to argue. They want to dispute. And what they want to do is, They want to engage in what a psychologist would call confirmation bias. Have you ever heard that term? Confirmation bias. That is, you argue for what you've already concluded to be true. And you might say, I'm studying to find out something. But you already know the answer of what you want to find out. And it's, it's what happens when people want to dispute they don't even question their assumptions. They make a superficial observation and then they easily dismiss Jesus with a sound bite. Now, I've said many times in this church, we are allowed to have questions, okay? It's tragic when people aren't allowed to wrestle with their questions. However, I've also said that in this church, when we ask questions, we examine our own hearts. And we ask, well, what's going on? Even as I'm asking this question, what are my assumptions? What, what am I actually trying to hear? And have I, in fact, come with a teachable heart and an open spirit to the Lord? Let's check our hearts, even as we're allowed to ask the questions that we have. Because what we really want to do, and this leads us right into point two, is we really want to learn from God. And that's where Jesus takes this. Down in verse 45, it is written in the prophets and they will all be taught by God. Last week, last week, uh, Jesus comments. He says, some of you have seen and yet do not believe. We saw the effects of sin on the mind that people in their flesh are not interested in even seeing the Lord and believing In him. So, how does anyone believe? And Jesus answered, If you were with us last week, forgive me. But Jesus answered, He said, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast away. And so as people come to Jesus, he explains, The Father is giving you to Jesus. God sovereignly speaks to you. He opens your eyes, he opens your ears, he softens your heart. And you come, and Jesus reaffirms this in verse 44. Here he says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. But what they do then, Jesus told us last week, is they look on the Son and they believe. And have you come to that place in your own life where the fog has lifted and the clouds have parted and, and you've seen Jesus and now you understand. He is the Son of God sent from the Father to save you and to save the world. Jesus quotes from Isaiah 54, verse 13, which says, All your children will be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. And then he says, All who, are, who learn from the Father, what does he say next? Memorize the shorter catechism? Memorize the book of Philippians. Two very good things to do. But what does he say happens when you learn from the Father? They come to me. Did you catch that? They come to me. He came from heaven to earth to show the way. It's in one of the songs that we sing. We come to him. And what do we know about Jesus Christ? Oh, my friends, we are told at the end of Colossians 2, verse 2, at the very end of that verse, it speaks about knowing the mystery of Christ, the mystery of God. And then we are told the mystery of God is revealed in Jesus Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Do you understand this? To be taught of God is to come to Jesus Christ and to know him and then to know his word that he has given to us is to to receive all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Okay? And when you study your Bible at the North Shore Community Church, what are we to discover? We're to discover Jesus. We discover Jesus that's what he said after his resurrection right everything that is written about me in the law and the prophets and the psalms must be fulfilled and so just very quickly two thoughts about this it points you to Jesus many people know a lot about Jesus but they don't know Jesus you can go to church your whole life you can learn good doctrine but do you know the Lord of the doctrine. Do you know Jesus? Knowing Him. What is the, the the first part of our church mission statement? To know Christ. Okay? Have you come to that place in your life where you have said, Lord Jesus, I want you. I want to know you. I surrender my life to you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I own you as my Savior. I'm not my own but I belong, body and soul, in life and in death to you. And then the, the second thing is our, in terms of our mission as a church. What, are we, what is our mission? Our mission is to make Christ known, to know Christ and to make him known. And I heard an old pastor, he's retired now, talk, he, I heard a guy talk this week. He talked about how his passion was making Christ known. And he said he was critical of churches and he's, who forget this. He says, look, if you win people with a circus, you have to keep them with a circus. But if you win them with Jesus, you keep them with Jesus. And I thought that was beautiful. And that's what we want to do. Be taught of God and come to Jesus. Why? Because now the rest of our passage, and this is point three, where I really want to land with you for a while today, is that Jesus now gives us some of the most intense, layered, and thick self-disclosure in the whole Bible. And he does it with two truly, truly statements, down in verses 47 through 51, and then verses 53 through down or yeah 53 down to 58 and you have this self-disclosure of the one to whom we come wonderful statements of what it means to believe in him and to come to him both in initial saving faith and as we walk in life continuing to believe what is the great what is the great metaphor or Example or illustration that Jesus uses to explain the life of faith. He talks about eating. As you know, I love this. He talks about eating. Eating! This is just beautiful. To you young people here, it's so interesting. I just want you to know It's important what you eat. If you don't get enough calcium, what happens to your bones? Your bones become brittle and soft. If you don't get enough iron, your liver won't function properly. You need iron. If you don't get carbohydrates, what happens? You have no energy. You are what you eat. Jesus talks about eating here. So when they're disputing with him in verse 52, and they say, How can he give us this, his flesh to eat? This whole passage is giving a clear answer to that question. And if you understand this, then the passage is not too complicated. What you have are, are two parallel uh, sentences in verse 47, and then down in verse 54. Jesus is answering their question clearly. He says in 47, look at that, whoever believes has eternal life. And he says in verse 54, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And again, he says it in 58, whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And what's the parallel? The parallel is two different actions lead to the same result. Eating and believing. Eating and feeding equals believing. Okay, catch this. This is what he's talking about. And it's actually quite simple. And I want you to ask yourself now Is my faith in Jesus like the kind of eating and feeding that he talks about? in this passage. Okay? Look at your own life and say, is my my life of faith like the kind of eating and feeding that Jesus talks about here? In the last sections, they've been talking about the manna with Jesus. Remember the manna in the wilderness? And they bring it up. Moses gave manna in the wilderness. Jesus, we sure would like it, if you would give us more food like that. And so Jesus now says, I am the bread of life. He said it earlier. He's now repeating it again. The great statement, the great I am. And he says, Look, you guys, you want that type of manna. But they ate it and they still died. There are limitations to what manna can do for you. They still died. This is the bread. That if anyone eats of it, he will never die. This, the manna is nothing compared to the bread of God that comes down from heaven that gives life. And gives life to who? Just to the Jews? No. This bread comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And there will be people from every tribe and tongue and nation and language, there will be people from all over the planet. And down through the ages, who will live, who feed on this bread around the world. And oh, my friends, he says it's true food and true drink. It's not counterfeit, it's not soy bacon, it's not partially hydrogenated vegetable oil topping, it's real. It's, I don't want to be blasphemous here, it's delicious. What a moment this is in the synagogue at Capernaum. And what a moment this is at the North Shore Community Church right now. Do you want to live forever? then your faith must be like the kind of eating that Jesus describes here. And there's two kinds of words that he uses in the text. It's very interesting. And in the first number of verses, in verse 50, 51, 52, and 53, he uses the Greek word estheo. Now, I'm not a great Greek scholar, but I know how to parse these words and to understand them. And here, this word of eating is it's called in the aorist tense. It's in the past tense. It's a, a one-time action. And Jesus is talking about this one-time action where you come and you feed on Christ. You eat, I'm sorry, you come and you eat Christ. And it's translated in our ESV as eating. Jesus says things like this. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And he's talking at the end of verse 51. Here's how we understand this. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. What's he talking about there? The cross. He's talking about the substitutionary atonement. The giving of his flesh to be crucified for your sins. The living flesh, the living bread will die. He will give it up for you. And the question then is obvious. Have you come to a place of faith where in that initial way you have come to Jesus? You know the old sawdust trail, the the revivals uh, across America in those days? They would always have on Thursday night, they have a week-long revival, and Thursday night they'd have the come to Jesus meeting. Now, every meeting should be a come to Jesus meeting at the North Shore Community Church. In fact, Uh, One of the great evangelists was preaching in Chicago and the come to Jesus meeting wasn't until a Thursday night. What happened on Wednesday night? The great Chicago fire happened. Big mistake. He shouldn't have waited. Every time we meet, there's a come to Jesus meeting. But my friends, have you come to that place where you know he has drawn you? The Father has given you to the Son and you can do nothing else to all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. And that's what he's talking about when he uses the word estheo to eat. It's that one-time, aorist, past tense, feeding on Christ. It's embracing Christ. But the second kind of eating is translated in the word in the ESV as feeds. And I think the translators were trying to allow those of us who don't read Greek to see, understand, there's there's another word being used here, and this is a wonderful word. The word is trogo, trogo. And this is used in the present active voice, and that teaches that it is an ongoing kind of feeding. It's ongoing. It's It's a present reality as you walk through life. And it's a wonderful word, this word trogo. It means to feed hungrily. Leon Morris, in his commentary, he says, it is like translating the word munch and crunch. It's like when I eat Frito's corn chips. It's what I'm like. And sometimes, you know, we're sitting in the family room and we're watching television together and I'm eating Fritos corn chips and Nina says that the whole house shakes when you eat Fritos you know and with a grand gesture she'll get the remote control and turn up the volume while I'm eating Fritos because I'm munching and crunching hungrily and with delight and French onion dip but here here He now talks about feeding on His flesh and blood in an ongoing way that the benefits of His broken body and shed blood, the forgiveness of sins, complete acceptance with the Father is ours. Morning when you rise, in the morning when I rise, and throughout the day, and when you lay your head on the pillow, the benefits of the work of Christ are yours. Oh, my friends, You feed on Jesus. How? Pastor John, tell me how. You learn to pray. You learn to pray. Center yourself, off yourself onto him. Have you done that? We're going to talk about that this summer, all summer long. You learn to meditate on God's word. You know, some of you have a dog. Some of you have dogs. And isn't it fun to watch dogs eat? You know, when a dog eats, every meal is his last meal. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and, and you, 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 that's that hungry type of eating. But then there's the way the cow eats. And we learn from how the cow eats. What does the cow do? He ruminates on it. it come, he meditates. We're going to talk about that this summer. And he chews on it. Not in a grumbling or disputing way. In a teachable way. Okay? And you feed on Christ. Have you ever been so hungry that you got a headache? You know, we all have. And then you come home and you have a good meal and you're strong again. This is what Jesus is saying our life should be like. So you feed on him in prayer and Bible study and personal devotions and Sunday worship. And I will say, because this passage talks about eating his flesh and blood, also in communion, also in communion, which is next Sunday, which we will be taking. Now, right at this point, it is obligatory for me to ask the question, is this passage talking about the Lord's Supper? Those of you who grew up in different denominations, you will have different opinions about this. When Jesus was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum, was he teaching them uh, about when we take the sacrament of communion together? And um, my Roman Catholic friends say yes. My Baptist friends say no. Our Presbyterian tradition says No, not directly, but yes, indirectly, in wonderful ways. Think about this for a moment. And I'm going to just, I want you to be educated about this. There are these three major views of the Lord's Supper, which is so central to the life of the church. The first one is very highly literal, and it takes this passage, uh, and it quotes the verse that you must eat the flesh and the blood of Christ, which is given in the sacrament, and if you don't partake of the sacrament, you don't have eternal life. And that's how they view it. And that uh, that bread is literally transformed into the flesh and blood of Jesus. The second view, as I intimated, is in the, uh, the, the more of the Baptist Protestant tradition, says, it, well, it's just a mere memorial. It's a memorial. Jesus said, after all, do this in remembrance of me. And so we remember him, and that's true. We do remember him. But the view of our church, of of the confession of faith, of John Calvin, who studied the scriptures so well, is that Jesus is actually present in the communion service, but that he is present spiritually. He's real. It's real presence. It's spiritual, but it's spiritual presence. And that spiritual presence is received by faith eating is believing it's received by faith and so is jesus talking about the lord's supper in this passage i don't think so it's not the primary reference because we are to feed on jesus not just once a week or once a month or whenever you get to the church building no it's to be the life of feeding on christ morning noon and night monday through sunday sunday through saturday You see, and yet, yet when we come to communion, oh, my friends, when we come to communion, how can we possibly ignore what Jesus is teaching us here? Because we do feed hungrily on Christ, North Shore Community Church. And the moment is a special moment in the life of our congregation. We read earlier in the service, 1 Corinthians 11, right where we examine our hearts before we come. I'll say it again. You don't just get the grace by eating the cookie. We examine our hearts. We humble ourselves before God. We reconcile with one another. We come in a worthy manner. Not We don't make ourselves worthy. That would be foolish to say we become worthy. What we do it worthily. We come in a way that honors the Lord. And we come in unity and in love for each other. So next week, when you come and you feed on Christ in communion, I'll, I just, just want to say this. Some of you will come and you have fear in your life. Jesus will give you courage. Some of you will come and the Holy Spirit will have convicted you of sins terrible sins arrogance, lust just plain meanness rising out of your soul you will see the blood shed for you and you will receive forgiveness and grace some of you will come and you'll say the world is out of control my world is out of control and you will see the cross and you will know that God is in control for the one who died rose again and is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You see, he ministers uniquely to each of us in communion with his real spiritual presence laid hold of by faith. But the eating and drinking is, uh, is more than just communion. It is our whole life. And oh, my friends, he satisfies. Does Jesus satisfy your soul? The great Snickers commercials of the 1970s snickers really satisfies it was very effective but i have to tell you better than snickers jesus really satisfies their new slogan do you know that snickers new slogan you're not you when you're hungry you're not really you when you're hungry have you seen great commercials on television you know you're not you when you're hungry and I have to say that that is also uh, parallel to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're not you when you're hungry. I'll tell you why. Because you is the new person alive in Christ. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. And the life I live, I live by, what's the next word? Faith. That's the believing part. And if you're not believing, if you're not feeding, You're not living your life by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave Himself for you. You're not really you unless you're believing, living by faith in the One who now dwells inside you because you ingested, you chewed, you swallowed, you owned Him, you believed. Okay? Will you feed on Jesus Christ if you're here today and you have never estheo, you've never eaten, That is, you've never believed, you've never taken that step of faith and surrendered your life to Jesus. I tell you, to all who receive him, who believe on his name, he gives the right to become children of God. This is the day. You say, really, now? Yes, now. And the rest of us, I want you to know, eating is personal. Nobody can eat for you. Your parents, your mom and dad, kids, your mom and dad can't eat for you. Your husband can't eat for you. Your wife can't eat for you. You need to eat. Trogo, you need to believe. Hungrily, eagerly, believe. The psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Let's pray together. Let's take just a couple of moments now in the quietness of your own heart and your heads bowed. Let's take some time and ask the Lord to show us whether or not we've really been feeding. Ask, just say, Lord, am I missing... Am I missing on the richest of food? You are what you eat. What have you been eating? Violent video games. Gossip. Pornography of all kinds. Atheistic philosophies. nationalism kind of patriotic secular patriotic fervor oh lord make us hungry for you and satisfy us, we pray. What has taken place ahead of Jesus in your life right now? What are things that have taken their place ahead of Jesus? surrender these things to you and we say let us taste and see that you are good you came, you came Lord, you came for us, you did not leave us in our lost condition, thank you let us lift you up and come to you eagerly we pray in Jesus name, amen